as a founder, you it doesn't matter which path you take. You can take both. You can build the company of your dreams, right? You can have the outcome that you want. You just need to be really intentional thinking about like, what is the outcome that you want? You're listening to the Next Generation Podcast, weekly interviews with the most interesting and successful 20-somethings out there. Finally glad to have you on for the Mentor Series episode. Yeah, of course. Pumped to be here with you guys. The first question that I've always had, even just like from working with you over the past couple of years, like when I hear of a lot of other CEOs and a lot of the advice that I see given to people in their 20s, it's all about like develop a skill, like either become excellent at building products or become like the world's best salesperson or best marketer. And I feel like what I admire so much about you and what you built with Privy is like you kind of approach it with like the generalist mentality and, and let me know if I'm like thinking about this incorrectly, but you seem like you're like have your hands in all different areas, whether it's the product or the sales or the marketing or whatever it is. Um, what are your thoughts on like people going and approaching entrepreneurship from the scope of being a generalist versus specializing and becoming like the best product person or the best marketer in the world? Yeah. I mean, there's so many different good ways to build a company. Um, I, I found like just the way that my mind worked was like I, I studied engineering. So I'm like a little bit technical. Right. Um but like my mom was an artist and my dad was an entrepreneur and like my brother's a lawyer. So like I have all these different parts of my mind. And, and I think what I love most about the Privy journey was the fact that I could flex different parts of my brain every single day over the last 10 years that I've been building this company. Right. Um, and I, I do think generalists like I think you could be a specialist and be the absolute best in your industry and start a company and be super successful. That wasn't me, right? I was in my 20s. I know a lot of the audiences. I barely held a job, right? Like I, I didn't work in tech and I was just like, you know what? I have an idea. I'm going to take a risk. And I think I'm like dangerous enough and a lot of different things that I've been exposed to in my, you know, couple years out of school that like I'm confident enough, you know, maybe overly confident and I think I can make some progress here, you know, because like that's what it takes early days. You know, you're like we, we just got off and it's like you, you just need to figure out, do you have something in the early days? Was there anything in particular that you think you are really good at? You know, was it was it corralling the right people together? Was it being the motivator of the team or, you know, is there any specific thing you can pinpoint there? Um, I think I sucked at all of those things early on. Honestly, I really do. Um, I, I think that uh, I, I've been working on this long enough that I got really good at each of those uh, over a 10 year period. But like early on, I just all I was good at was not being kind of bummed out when I was hearing no everywhere. Right. From customers, from recruits, from uh, investors when we were raising money. Like I, I think that that um that like grit or kind of uh willingness to keep pushing forward yeah when when everyone says no is 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 what i think is the most important thing for any founder out there and i feel well for the privy story correct me if i'm wrong is like almost defined based on like your resilience too like when you guys were first starting this you were growing it and like beginning to like almost work towards an exit like pretty early on uh, and I think that if I'm correct about the details, like some of the funding fell through or like the buyer pulled out of the last minute and you guys basically decided like, Hey, we have two options right now. We either shut down, shut the doors and like close things up and figure out another solution or 
we go and continue grinding on this thing for the next couple of years until you got it to the the exit that you guys finally did. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, I started, right. I had an idea. Uh, we got it to like, you know, a hundred thousand of annual revenue. Uh, but it wasn't like scaling that quickly. And so, you know, I, I knew we weren't going to be able to raise more money. This is, this is dating myself, but it's 2014 at the time. Um, and so it was like, all right, you know, there's some interest from some bigger tech companies. Let's just pursue these small acquisitions. Um, and one of them fell apart that we were pursuing. And so we were kind of left in a tough spot. But like, I remember that moment when we got the call was like horrible. Like I couldn't eat, I couldn't sleep. But I was like thinking back, I'm like, the reason we kept going was because I just, I was like, who's going to hire me? You know, like I have a, f- I have a failed company. You know, and like I, I, we, there was a few of us that stuck around and, you know, we were thinking to ourselves, like, there is this other path that, you know, we, we know might work, but we haven't really explored it. Like, let's just, let's just go for it. And, and that was basically beginning of 2015. And from 2015 to, you know, uh, recent years, we, we basically went from like zero to, you know, over 10 million, uh, in what felt like overnight. And it was like, it was the same company. A couple of us carried over uh, and we finally got the exit that like we always dreamt about um, when we were first starting. So it was amazing. But I I do think that like resilience and um, being able to push forward and like not have bruised egos when you run into dead ends is is for me in my experience, the the most important factor in in building a successful company. What are your thoughts on raising external capital versus trying to bootstrap the entire project? So much has changed, you know, uh, since when I first started, like people were bootstrapping, but very few. Um, and, uh, for me in software, like the cost of building software has, you know, come way down, right. It's a lot easier to kind of get to MVP than it used to be. Um, I, I like in the angel investing that I do, I, I always instruct my founders, whether they listen or not is a different story, but like to just make sure that they can control their own destiny if they want to. Because I think a lot of times, you know, there's there's great companies that are built off of external funding. And I think Privy, we took it. Um, there's also horrible mishaps that happen when you overfund a company, right? So I think as a founder, you it doesn't matter which path you take. You can take both. You can build the company of your dreams, right? You can have the outcome that you want. You just need to be really intentional thinking about like, what is the outcome that you want? Right. And at this, at this point now, you guys have had like a life-changing exit. Like, like I could not be more excited for you and the team at Privy, especially after like this like 10-year journey, right, to getting to where you guys are at now. Um, one of the things that I always like to personally know from anybody who's had like a big exit is like, having the exit is awesome. You have a big payday. You have a ton of cash in the bank now. Um, without necessarily sharing numbers, maybe more sharing like percentages, I'm very curious your take in terms of where you want to go and kind of reinvest that capital, um, to kind of like provide for you and your family in like the future next several years. Yeah. It's so funny. I mean, I'm, I'm here, I'm still leading the company and super excited about the the next chapter with an attentive. So I'll be here for a bit. Um, I think my wife and I, we, we kind of look at each other like, Nothing has changed for us after the exit, uh, except for like the bank account, which is awesome. Um, but yeah, we're starting to think about these things, right? And so, like, you know, what is 
what does the next 40 years look like for us? Um, and I, I don't think we have all the answers there yet. I think a big part of what, what gets me excited is helping other founders that are trying to accomplish, you know, similar or, or, you know, build companies in related spaces. So, um, have been ramping up, uh, you know, advisory and angel investing stuff. Um, I think that's probably like 1% of, of what we're doing. So, um, you know, and then other things, you know, there's, there's charitable stuff that, that we're working on, um, that my wife and I'll be doing together, which is super exciting. Um, and then there's like your traditional, you know, like wealth management stuff that we're, we're also doing that takes the lion's share today. Um, in terms of like distributions, I think our, or just our approach, what's funny is like, I know how hard it was to arrive where we are today. And a big part of our strategy moving forward is like, it's almost like de-risking a little bit. Like I never thought I'd say that, you know, I think of myself as such a high risk person. Um, and, but I, I think I took that risk, that high risk at a point in my life where I had nothing, right? I had a family that loved me, you know, I moved home, whatever. Uh, my wife didn't care about that stuff because we were both super young when we, we started this. Um, now it's different, you know, like I, I want to make sure that we've built this nest egg, that we don't lose it. Uh, and so I think, you know, the high risk stuff is probably in the one to 2%. Uh, and the rest is probably like boring old. Index uh, funds, getting a little exactly. bit of real estate, buying some land up in Vermont. Exactly, exactly. That kind of stuff. Um, we'll see if that changes over time. Uh, but that's that's how we're thinking about it today. When you're advising younger entrepreneurs, is there any sort of commonality between, you know, things you're seeing them doing that they probably shouldn't be doing or things that, you know, the successful ones are doing that maybe separate them out from the pack? Yeah, I, I, a few things. I think when you start a company, you, you have to start by choosing a customer that you're solving for. And uh, there are no get rich quick schemes, right? Like none of that stuff works. So the thing that endured for me over the tenure of Privy was serving small business and working with in, day in and day out trying to solve their problems. And I think if you choose a customer that you're excited about, it's easier to get over some of those like obstacles that, you know, inevitably get in your way as a founder. Um, so that's one. And then th the other thing, I, I just think people don't understand how long these things take to achieve your, your goals. Yes, there are some overnight success stories, uh, but, you know, they're few and far between. Like the reality of the founders that I've seen that have had you know, the, the home run exits that like, you know, a lot of the listeners are thinking about or that have built these like cash cow businesses. Um, it takes time. It takes boring work that's highly repetitive day in and day out. I feel like for the last 10 years, I've looked at the exact same numbers each week, each day. And like, that's just how you do it. You know, you repeat the numbers get a little bit bigger each day or each week and you got to set goals and um, you just roll up your sleeves and, and repeat yourself, you know? It's funny hearing you say that because it reminds me of a quote that I really like. It's um, someone along the lines of like, if everybody, or sorry, it was uh, 
if more information is what everybody needed, we'd all be millionaires with six packs. Uh, whereas like the reality is like people don't need like the secret trick to like get rich quick overnight. What they need is to do the boring blocking and tackling stuff. Like the fact is you started a podcast last year and you guys have hundreds of episodes now at this point, have thousands of downloads. And you're now finally at the point where it's like people are listening to the podcast because like you're not doing anything crazy special. You're just being very consistent with it. And you've released at this point, like literally hundreds of episodes over the course of like what a year and a half, right? Like it's, it's the slow stuff that grows and compounds over time that kind of gets you those outsized results. Totally. Yeah. In, in the podcast that we do that you used to help us with, it's, it's the same thing as it was for Privy as an overall business. It was just like show up every day, um, do the same thing that, that was successful yesterday, maybe tweak based on some learnings that you have, but show up, be consistent. You know, I, I think it's the same thing in business that it is in relationships or, or that it is in fitness or in, you know, nutrition. It's, it's, you know, the answer, uh, it's just, can you, can, can you do it consistently? And, and this is something I've never actually asked you before, but like when you've gone and like, at what age were you when you left your job to go and start Privy? I was, I'm turning 36. So I was 35. Oh, sorry. I was 25. Okay. And so at that time, like, was there a specific reason that you left slash wanted to go and start Privy? Or was it just like, um, you just felt the need just to go and start your own thing? So I grew up, both my parents were entrepreneurs, um, you know, different types. Uh, but I grew up like with a dinner conversation around taking risk and appetite for risk. And I'm very thankful for that. Uh, my dad pushed me on that a lot. Uh, and it was for the right reasons. He was, an, he was an immigrant and he needed to take a lot of risk in his life. And, and so did my mom. Um, so there was a part of me that like, just like didn't know another way, right? I didn't, I didn't see either of my parents work at a employer for 20 years or something like that. And I just caught, kind of saw them like in good times and bad um, execute by, by taking risks and figuring it out. So that was like my upbringing. And then, you know, I was, I was working at some, uh, startup companies, uh, right out of school and like started to get some ideas for my own. And I felt after a couple of years, like, oh, wow, you know, I, I, I can move home. My parents were local in the area. Like they're willing to take me back in so I could save some money. Exactly. Uh, and what better time than, than, you know, in your early twenties to, or mid twenties to think about executing on any ideas that you have from a, from a risk perspective, right? Like if anyone's in that position, that doesn't really get much better than that. If your worst right. case scenario is you got to move back in with your parents for a couple of years and maybe get a job, you know, probably the first time to start something. Yeah. And, and like, I, not everyone has that. Right. So like, I'm, I'm super thankful that like, I was even afforded that because otherwise I would never have been able to start Privy, right? So I recognize that. Was there anything you can point to that helped you maintain that consistency to kind of keep doing the exact same thing even when it wasn't working? Was there like anything else in your life that you built routines around in terms of, I don't know, whether, whether it was health or anything else that helped you move forward? It took me a while to get on the health train um, and, and exercise. Uh, and I've always kind of, like gone in and out of that. Not that I was ever like crazy or, or, you know, uh, doing bad to my body, but, um, to just understand the consistency there that I, I really needed to perform my best. Um, what was I doing? You know what? Like 
early days, I think it was just like being a naive 20 something that, that was motivating me to keep going. Like we, we had to pivot the business pretty significantly, um, when the, when our original acquisition fell apart in 2014 in order to find growth. And so like, that was a great forcing function. So I think like the business itself was the forcing function. And then once we saw some momentum on the new iteration of Privy, like that was super exciting, you know, cause that's what I wanted you know, three years prior and I never found it. So once I finally found it, I was like, oh, wow, this is a huge market. We've figured out distribution. Let's just rinse and repeat every day, rinse and repeat, support customers, get new ones, support them, get new ones, build new product, you know, based on what they're asking. And and that was the equation for, you know, the last six years. And it really has worked. Um, Over that time, an incredible support system in my wife and family and like fun outside of work with my family was huge. Um, we got married young, had kids young. And like, for me, that stuff is fun. So making sure that like, I really did separate and, and now increasingly as I've gotten older, uh, into my thirties, like, yeah, eating the right food and, and exercising has been huge for me as a way to balance everything that we're talking about. And so I got like two last questions to kind of start wrapping things up personally, at least it's like the first one is when you originally thought that Privy might not be able to go and become like what it ended up becoming, like you guys almost were like had to fire a bunch of people. Was there a thought at the time of like, I think you mentioned earlier, like you thought like you were almost unemployable. Was that because you didn't want to go and work for someone or was it because you didn't see, think that employers would recognize like the value of like what you learned when starting Privy? I think it was a few things, right? Like my prior work experience just right out of school was like around clean energy type engineering stuff. It it had nothing to do with tech, uh, but all of my like energy and ideas were around tech. And so um, then I started Privy. And if we had just shut down the company, like I guess I thought my experience with Privy was super interesting and educational, but like I don't... I would have had to choose a specific function and get into like an entry level role at like a Google or a Foursquare at the time or Facebook, which would have been great for me, you know, Um, but like I could do that or in the back of my head, like if there was other angle around Privy that we hadn't explored, why wouldn't I have just kind of explored that, you know, we were already at rock bottom, so to speak. I, I kind of want to like wrap this up a little bit with just some ideas for the audience. Cause I know a lot of people listening to this right now are probably in that spot that you were at when you were around like 25 and left your job to go and start privy. Um, I'd love to know specifically, like you invest a lot in the e-commerce software space. Like if you have specific Shopify app ideas or like areas in which like people can go and build solutions for in the e-commerce space. Like I love what you said before about becoming obsessed with solving a problem for an audience, right? So like making uh, small businesses, helping them sell more, things like that. Um, now the Shopify app space is becoming huge. We're seeing a lot of people like, we had Andrew Gizdecki on the podcast before talking about how like Shopify apps are like selling on MicroWire and all that stuff. Are there certain areas that you find really interesting in that space? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, there's so much opportunity uh, within commerce, I think. Um, areas that I'm excited about right now outside of Privy would be around like uh, important surfaces in the customer journey. And I think one of the most important surfaces is uh, what happens after the checkout, right? So in the post-purchase, you've got, you worked hard, you got them to your store, they made a purchase and like you're in that awkward spot where they're, 
they're sitting on your page seeing a confirmation like what do you do then right before they exit so i think that's there's a ton of opportunity there uh, and then i think you know for for merchants probably the biggest unanswered question and and i know connor you you're working on this for respoke is like how do you generate traffic to your store right that this world is constantly changing facebook and instagram are constantly changing it's like uh, TikTok, Snapchat, right? There's there's all these platforms out there and think about how much time and energy you and other brand owners have spent around answering that question. Like, uh, you know, it, it's required you ramping up educationally on all these platforms. And I, I think there is an opportunity to answer that question, um, whether it's organic content around SEO or paid, just simplifying the equation on how to generate traffic. Yeah, the the 2016 playbook of like you can drop ship anything with a good Facebook ad is not necessarily the ecosystem that we live in today. Totally, totally. Well, that wraps it up for me, Ben. I really appreciate it. Um, if people want to go and check out anything that you're working on or follow Privy's journey uh, with Attentive now, where can they go and check it out? Yeah, so we're still Privy.com, P-R-I-V-Y. Check it out. Uh, or you can follow me on Twitter at Javali. Awesome. Thanks for coming on the show today, Ben. If you thought today's episode was awesome, we would love it if you would leave a five-star review on the podcast, either on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. It makes a huge difference and lets us get cooler and cooler guests for future episodes.